Hey everyone, Michelle here, real quick message. Unfortunately, we have audio issues with this episode. I know it sucks. This was our first show with brand new microphones and we ran into some problems, but we did our best to make the episode as smooth and as listenable as possible. We hope you enjoy it. Have fun. Hello, I am the editing robot. Before we begin this week's episode, I have a special treat for all of you. You see, recently, Michelle recorded an appearance on an upcoming episode of Chats, a television podcast. While preparing for the episode, Michelle invited the two to appear on this week's episode of Full Metal Analysts. And while they talked, he forgot that Magellan hasn't seen Full Metal Alchemist before. With that in mind, enjoy. Form Celine Bradley's a homunculus. Wait, not does Magellan know that now? Does Magellan know that now? Did... It's okay. I didn't know, but it's okay. Oh my god! Oh no. No, it's okay, it's okay. I, I was already oh suspicious. Oh no, Michelle! <laughs> Michelle, you fucking moron! When do you, oh, when do you find that? When do you find that out? I think I might be almost finding that. Episode out. thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Yeah, I'm almost there. It's okay. Oh I would have god. found that out before I came on your show anyway. So it's... can you send this clip to me later so I can? Oh, put this it all comes, yeah, we comes around. We have this all on record. <laughs> yeah, all on the record. I'll clip it out and send it your way. Yeah, I loved hearing the story of how you got the clip in the clip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like listening to a prequel. Surprise! It's another episode of Full Metal Analyst. Welcome to our show, where free writers analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Michelle. I'm Arthur. And I'm Mike. And our guests today are the hosts of Chats, a television podcast. Please welcome back to the show, Magellan and Ellen. Hello. Hey. Hey. (laughs) Welcome back, guys. Welcome back. My favorite part of that clip is the pure glee and joy in Alan's voice. (laughs) Everything that's happening, it really brings me delight. (laughs) I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's like the most dumb twist. Of course, it's the little kid. That's so yeah. whatever. Come on. I mean, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> it, it is creepy. Well, I was wondering if it actually didn't make it better for you. I was wondering if they should have told us this a little bit sooner and if it would have made those very boring scenes where they're just talking to Salim for no reason actually interesting. Yeah, you know? I think that's true. I think if we had known had had that dramatic irony when they're like having to have tea with him or whatever in that one episode. That mm-hmm. would have been something else. And I do like that Hawkeye is like stuck with him and she can't tell anybody. That's cool. But the fact that they're like, ooh, we're going to tell you later that it's yeah. the little kid. Why did you make me wait Why? so long for that particular yeah. twist? Yeah. And today we're talking about the episode Daydream. It was directed by Shingu Uchida. Interestingly enough, this is the only episode of Mel Alchemist Brotherhood they directed. Don't know why. Maybe they did too good a job. Maybe they microwave fish in the office computer, right? <laughs> microwave it in the computer. <laughs> I mean, in the microwave, of course. Oh, okay. Listen, there are a couple reasons we're letting you go. <laughs> First of all, good job with the episode. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, good work there. <laughs> I do have a few questions. And this episode was written by Shishi Minakami. They wrote Inside the Valley and a couple more episodes after this. Now let's get into our improvised recap. This is the moment in the podcast where one of us will do a 21-second improvised recap of this week's episode. And that person will be chosen by the roll of a dice. If it lands on one, it's me. If it lands on two, it's Arthur. If it lands on three, it's Mike. If it lands on four, it's Magellan. If it lands on five, it's Alan. If it lands on six, we'll roll again. So let's roll the dice. 
Two. I gotta roll again. No, two is Arthur. Yeah, so we roll again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You got this, Arthur. Three, two, one, go. And they all decide to play a big Kimberly trick on Kimberly. And uh, at first it's like, oh no, Scar has Winry, but actually uh, Winry was like, take me prisoner, Scar. It'll be a cool plan and we'll trick Kimberly. And then Yoki's like, I'm useful for the first time. Let's go in the mines. And they all go in the mines and Al goes in the snow and he sees his body. Right on time. Congratulations. You did it. <laughs> oh, and Zampano and Gerso are there. Yeah, you got to give a little more credit to my boys there. Uh, Jill and I were saying before this recording that if we were to play anybody in Pullman Alchemist, it would be those two. Just these like fun yeah. beast men in the back being like, ah, oh, the old ball and chain. <laughs> oh, <laughs> your I, wife hates I like you. That part. Well, I you like have that a part. severe drinking problem and you're a total yeah. loser and everyone hates you. Right. Oh, you moron. <laughs> you yeah, trash man. Yeah, why do you but, want to see your family? You're a piece of shit. <laughs> Okay, can we just add, can if they can revert back to the way they look, then why can't they just go back to their families? Absolutely no idea. I had the exact same point. Because they know. Well, that would still be a problem. Even if they did get their bodies back, they would still have to be honest about this, you know? No, actually they wouldn't because their families were told that they were dead. Why oh. can't they just show up and be like, Honey, I'm not dead. I can turn into a frog. Well, you don't Some... even have to tell them about the frog. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, that's cool. I forgive you. I can only assume that they turn into animals when they sleep. Or it's like when they have like an extreme emotional outburst, perhaps. Right, 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 right. This whole entire episode was a, a 50 minute flashback to explain a 30 second moment from the last episode to the point yeah. where I was like, you should have just like not shown that scene at the end and then have this episode and it ends with them tricking Kimberly because we would have gotten the same. I was watching this and I was like, guys, I know that you decided on this with Scar. Can you not? But when I was thinking about it, it's like, how else do you, it's the last episode of the season. It's gotta be kind of sexy. I guess it makes sense <laughs> that you do that sort of thing. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else that's yeah. that sexy in this episode. Besides this sort of like, ooh, how did they get to this particular plan? <laughs> yes, Scar carrying Winry like King Kong, carrying the lady. I'll give them one thing, because this episode apparently, we usually mention how there's no more than like a week between each episode, but this one had two weeks between. And I guess mm -hmm. they really wanted to keep people interested. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Imagine having watched this episode and not watched any previous Fullmetal Alchemist since the last time you were on Fullmetal Analyst, which is how I experienced it. <laughs> and so I, I had to spend the entire time going, oh shit where are we okay so <laughs> who's this guy with the funny mustache and i asked my john he was like i don't even know and i've watched all the episodes <laughs> i was confused i was like what the f you have to explain maybe it's been too long since the last episode but i couldn't figure out like wait why are they all together now wasn't he just on the roof why are they mm -hmm. all together what's going yeah, on this is a whole like <laughs> annoying ass trend of like you show something amazing and then you cut to 15 minutes earlier it's like how you got there oh. but i didn't think it was like a good example of it didn't really seem like a flashback. The thing that makes it particularly not good is that right after Scar is on the roof, Miles is like, wow, you're so mad or whatever. And Ed basically says, like, she's not really kidnapped right away. And so then it's like, why are you structuring it this way? If we all know and you tell me right off the bat what's going on, I don't know. I blame Breaking Bad, which maybe it didn't come out yet, but... <laughs> Now that's a trend because of Breaking Bad. No, no, no. It should have shown the ending of the last episode and it just goes, yep, that's me. I bet you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> Except it's, it's Winry. It's on Winry. Well, it's a crazy shot. story. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but it all starts back in the Ashfallen War. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We talked about the big structural problem with this episode, which is that 14 minutes are dedicated to explaining the last 30 seconds, even though we don't really need that explanation. But there are some interesting moments in the middle of those 14 minutes, you know? There's that whole bit with Winry, and it's like, Winry, I, I don't forgive you, or something. And Scar has this moment, it's like, wait. Killing bad? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he fesses up to it. It's like, there's nothing I can say that makes killing right. What I really liked about this, I mean, I am very wary of what seems to be happening, which is the anodyne narrative of like, violence is always wrong. Doesn't matter how you do it or who you do it to, violence is always bad. Which is like, can we not make that what Scar is about? But I do like that Scar has been operating on this binary of like either you take violent vengeance or you're forgiving them. And Winry's showing him there is another option that you've been told of before and that you have like forgotten about, which is choose not to forgive, but offer some kind of grace which like his mentor called abiding. Mm-hmm. It's just cool to see Scar interacting with Winry and interacting with Miles, who also represents a sort of different path and a different theory of change. And to see him as a character having to wrestle with like, okay, what does justice actually mean to me? And what does a better future actually look like? Because I've just been operating off of anger, justified anger, and maybe the things he's been doing have even been right. But it's cool to see him have to think about like, okay, let me take a step back and figure out what I'm really about when I have all of the options in front of me. That's so well said. Preach. Yeah, and that's heavy stuff. Like, that's such a heavy thing for a cartoon, <laughs> right? For yeah. I mean, it's heavy. I don't exactly uh, like Miles' position within this one because when... <laughs> I'm going to fix it from within. Yeah, it seems naive. It taps into a narrative that I think that they've actually, like, touched on a little bit with the Ishvalans, which is this idea of, like, you know, they are technically supposed to be minorities in this series. And Major Miles is attempting to be the sort of model minority where he's like, if you just work hard enough and you're nice to them, then they're not going to do a racism against your people again. This is how we heal between the races. And it's like, no, that's not. You deserve better. You deserve better than this. And it makes me like Scar more, honestly. It's like yeah. a weird Ba Ram Yu moment between Ishvalans where they're like, oh, they're just like immediately like accepting of each other's position in a very strange way, I thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Scar makes a lot more sense. Like, how's that going for you, Miles? But so, so but John, it sounds like you, <laughs> you do like the whole Winry saying, like, I forgive Scar sort of thing. You think that's well, a, I, a good what turn? What I like most is that Scar's version of like being accountable to what he's done is kind of not really being accountable because he's just sort of saying like, okay, I killed your parents, then kill me. That's like eye for an eye. That's fair. That's what should happen. Mm -hmm. And that's not actually justice. And he's not actually giving her justice by making her make that choice. And I think that he realizes that for the first time when she chooses to heal him and he says oh you forgive me and she's like fuck no i don't i don't (laughs) forgive you i'm just not going to kill you because like that's wrong i don't forgive your recklessness and what you did but i'm going to treat you like a person because you're a person and that's who i am and 
I don't necessarily want the show to eventually say like, here's how Scar should think he should be like Miles or he should be like Winry. I just like that his perspective is being expanded because to me, he's the most interesting character. Mm-hmm. Scar, I think, is my favorite character because he's grappling with like the thing that's the most real. And so this is a big characterful episode for him. So that's why I liked it. We now have a ticking clock on Al. It's no longer like, let's get our bodies back no matter how long it takes. It's like, oh, no, his soul is going to evaporate out of his body soon. I did wish they would at least give us a reason why his soul is rejecting the body now. It made sense to me because it's not like Al has no physical exertion in this suit. Like we hear him struggling to move around or run or maybe it's psychosomatic, but I wonder if when he's actually under duress in cold weather, like really pushing his soul bonded limitations to the max, like is that when he can actually feel some semblance of his physicality? You know, that's my guess. Maybe there's some other urgency, like maybe that wasn't really his body or his body was being manipulated to call to him by something or I don't know. It was kind of scary. It was. I think all that <laughs> stuff in all that stuff in that whatever you call that zone are, is so fascinating to me because it's the show actually attempting like visual horror and uh, grappling with the fact that like bodies are horrifying. This is where the concept of body horror comes from. And the separation of soul and body at its core is one of the most interesting things about Full Metal Alchemist. Body, you could just say bodies are horrifying. And I agree with yeah. that. Bodies yeah. are horrifying. Any and all bodies. Yes, true. Mm-hmm. We are sacks of water with that can talk. <laughs> I, 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 I see a baby and I go, what? Do you think that they're also setting up alchemy as the death magic? And then alchemy is going to be the like easy clean. Like this is the good magic. This is fine. Absolutely not. Because immediately that the was my Marco theory. suggested that it cut to May with this like like someone just told her mom die like this face of that's the face i make that's the face i made when they were like actually we're gonna go for a full semester online that was the that was the face (laughs) i made (laughs) where they were like maybe we'll be able to do your commencement on the fall and i made that face look (laughs) i don't think that makes any sense i don't think that there's gonna be like a clean road to immortality here i just don't feel like that's gonna work the idea of the show ending with mei chang getting immortality (laughs) not sure i'm not sure that's where it's going i'm also glad that they're finally talking about like the emperor like like we discussed this a little bit back of how weird it is that they're trying to make the emperor immortal and how some of them want to be emperor so it's like why would you be trying to make the emperor immortal wouldn't he just ignore you and be immortal and it took this long for someone to be like actually (laughs) wait a second if we told the emperor how to be immortal he would just be immortal (laughs) like duh Oops. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty crazy how in episode 50, they reveal the Xiao Mei turns to the camera and it's just more in the dub, at least it's Morgan Freeman's voice. And he just goes, I am God. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! And then Mei Chang comes behind him and like rises up into the sky with like flaming wings. It's very sick. I can't wait for y'all to get to it. <laughs> That's exciting. So now <laughs> it's time for Panda Talk. No. Nope. <laughs> Mei Chang. Crawl Mei through Chang. Crawl through a river. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Came out clean on the other side. side. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I have a new segment idea. Welcome to shipping and handling. We're just going to ship for a bit. 
I like that Winry gives her earrings to Ed. That's, oh, that's like the that. shipping that happens this episode. I think it's going to be a clue for Kimberly. He's going to be like, why do you have her earrings? This must have been planned. There's no way that you could have snatched them from her in a moment of duress. Yeah. That felt stupid. She gave them to you. That felt mm-hmm. dumb. No, the part I liked was she was like, when it's cold, you can't wear metal. The, that I liked because, again, mechanics. Cool. Yeah. It's a cool um, detail. But no, I agree. Someone's going to be like, hey, Ed, <laughs> what are those? <laughs> What what? Why do you call oh, these? <laughs> Nothing. Um, yeah, I, I get that it was a significant moment, and he's a significant object to hang on to. The moments I really like in this show are where it gets really technical. I always think those moments are cool. Yeah, I agree. And that's been shipping and handling. Pack it up, okay. baby. <laughs> Yay. What if we come up the Bebop and Rocksteady headcanon? Like... They have backstories. They told us. Yeah. Wait. Okay. <laughs> Bebop and Rocksteady is so accurate. It's scary. Wow. Wow. Are you a hammer? Because you nailed it. But I do want to say about Bebop and Rocksteady because they have these voice filters in the dub that is impossible to understand. I have no idea what this guy is saying. There was a line where I think Zampano is named. Zampano said like a full 30 second line. I understood nothing. (laughs) My body. (laughs) (laughs) The old ball and chain. (laughs) No, they were in human form when they said that. That was audible. Yeah. Thank God. Oh, shit. I just realized Gerso is a black character. So played though we have a black character theme. Wow. They did it. We've only played this three times. Anyway. (laughs) But you know what he did know about the tunnels. He has a plan for the escape. He was useful in this episode. More useful than even the panda. And the panda was probably pretty darn useful. Oh, oh, oh. As a morale booster. No, no, my. Can we just accept that the panda is useless? No, it's not useless. No, why are you wrong? That's not correct. (laughs) You people need to get over this panda. No, (laughs) I only want the panda. Why don't you think that fun is a use? Because he's not funny. Well, he's not funny, but he's He's fun. He's a cute panda. Yeah. No. No. (laughs) Not every person needs to be useful to have value. You know what I mean? Oh. I know what you mean, but I'm not saying... Hold on a sec. Capitalism tells us that everybody Hold needs on. to have their worth <laughs> and carry no. Open up the book. It's, it's not what you do, it's who you are. I'm just saying you're the Kimberly of Panda Talk, is what I'm, I'm saying. Not. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, and this definitely is Panda Talk, in case you were wondering. Cue that piece yeah, of it <laughs> And that's been this week's episode of Panda Talk. <laughs> oh, wait, over. It's over. I oh, wait, it. wait, bring it back for one last second. Can I just register for the record that I hate Kimberly as a character and I think he sucks? I just want really? to oh, no. so put that out there. Let's explore that. In this episode, there's no reason to hate him because he's just like, you know, he's there. He's the bad guy. And when he's the intellectual Moriarty, like I'm tracking you kind of bad guy, he's cool. But I take issue with the way that he has shifted in my mind, the way that the show talks about and portrays the concept of evil because in my worldview, there aren't necessarily evil people. There are evil actions that people do for the reasons that they do them, whatever they are. And I think it's silly to imagine that there are evil people who lead to evil things happening because that makes it hard for us to actually understand how bad things happen and operate. And it allows us to be like, yeah, Mustang's cool because he's not as deranged as this guy. And it allows for the heroes to team up with Scar because, like, Scar doesn't hate the alchemist anymore. He just hates the one evil alchemist who killed his brother. 
You know, it's just his spot in the narrative really bothers me. He throws the curve so high that no one classifies as evil. Right, exactly. It undermines a lot of what I was appreciating about the show's nuance in sort of saying like there was a genocide and we have to reckon with that because when they flash back to it they were like but there was this really bad guy there who loved to kill (laughs) and he's back i actually really find that interesting and i agree with you and i think that does throw off the argument in a lot of ways because then people can just be like pointing to people like kimberly and saying well i mean he's not like that right but do you think that maybe there are people like that (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's super common, but I wonder if some I people mean, aren't just aber- sociopaths, I guess, aberrant, right? You know, yeah. like, yeah, they, they're just like off people. And, and in situations like this, they are not hidden anymore. You know, they're just thriving in it. I guess that's I mean, fair. You can say, yeah, he's a sociopath, totally devoid of empathy. But I do agree with Magellan that he's in the narrative. He is used to make the people who also did the genocide, but are real sorry about it look morally kind of in the clear i think that there are people who exist like that and who do bad things and don't have remorse or don't have empathy but i think they're probably very very rare or at least far more rare than the depictions of them in media would suggest yeah and it's frustrating to me when you have a cast of people who did like bad things for a variety of really interesting and complicated reasons that you can explore and get into and then you introduce like such a stock villainous guy who just loves to kill and that's his thing. Because then it's like, what? I don't want this to be the focus of mm-hmm. the narrative. It's like a know? different show. We have one last important thing to talk about, and that is Father looking at his little chess pieces mm-hmm. above this, uh-huh. you know, this transmutation circle thing. And he's like, Ed and Al, and then Teacher maybe but he puts her sideways for some reason and then he says van hohenheim and then there's like a missing spot and i recognize that the thing that these people have in common is that they are all people who have seen the Mm -hmm. truth you know what i mean like the gates mike it's now time for you to do what you were doing but in a segment form at mikey at the bad yeah i'm still doing it This is the moment of the podcast where Mike has to guess what happens in the next episode based on the title and the thumbnail. But before you do that, Mike, please continue. All right. So, like, what does that mean? There's someone else who has seen this. And know. it was weird to me because they've said that Mustang is a sacrifice, but he wasn't one of the people that I they that were too. positioning. Unless they're putting him in a position soon to see the truth. I'm basing this on when they were inside of Gluttony's stomach and there was that, like, tablet thing and there was something about... The inscription was like, I will bring God down to earth and become the perfect being. At first, I thought maybe Van Hohenheim was God brought down to earth and father's like his darker half or something. But now I think Van Hohenheim was just some dude who made like a Faustian bargain with some demonic force or something that was like, I can help you figure out how to be immortal, but then I get to walk the earth and I think he made alchemy and alchemy is bad. There's some, it's like fueled by death or evil, or there's like a room full of chimeras on treadmills or something that's making alchemy work. <laughs> demonic devil stuff. Full of chimeras on treadmills. <laughs> because Marco was talking to May about, she's like, oh, you know, alchemy, it's like chi or whatever. And he's like, yeah, we just use plate tectonics. 
and she's like that's not plate tectonics bud that's like squirming yeah. bodies or something yeah that's it's clear yeah. to me because they talk about this sage of the west who taught everybody how to do alchemy Mm-hmm. I think that is father. That's what I think. Well, now that you talked about that, Mike, it's time for you to guess what's going to happen in the next episode. So please, would you describe the thumbnail for next week's episode, The Dwarf in the Flask? There's like a little shadow demon oh, eyeball, uh, like the little Pepsi guy, but he's a <laughs> demon and he's got teeth. I think that's father. <laughs> that little thing. I think that's when father was born. In a flask. Well, because it looks like Pride's little eyes, but mm-hmm. it, so it could be Pride, or it could be before the Pride. You mean it could be the Fall? Yeah, that's what I was Pride trying to get come, to. There. Oh, it's Pride comes before yeah, the that, Fall. Okay, that's exactly <laughs> why I was stumbling over my words because that was happening in my brain. But it looks so young and sweet that I think it could be Pride precursor. Yeah, Mike. Do you have any other anything else? I think I sh- I like this theory, but I'm gonna come up Magellan with just something. Hasn't handed to you. I love. I really like this thing. <laughs> I also think it's a flashback. And the reason I think that is because I just don't suspect this to be a new character. <laughs> and I don't think they're making a new homunculus. Now that Mike has made his prediction, it's time for us to grade this episode, giving it a score from one to five stars. I'm going to get things started by giving it, guys, we got to be painfully honest. Um, I'm going to give it two stars. I thought it was just whatever. Mm. It was a very middle of the road and middling episode. <sighs> so there's mm-hmm. that. I will give it a nice crispy 2.5 i'm gonna give it an enthusiastic extremely enthusiastic two stars they deserve these two stars they earned them but unfortunately they didn't quite get to three it's tough because there's stuff in this that i really love like i think the scar stuff and the winry stuff is so powerful and i do like the shift that it's making towards al that was really good having more agency in the story but the structure of it is just kind of bland. I don't know. I guess it's got to be a 2.5. My heart I wants to say 3, but I think I've been actually swayed to a 2.5 because all of the stuff I'm excited yes. about that this one jazzes me about is coming. Mm. Yeah. So it's just like we're so close, guys. We're so close. And now we've reached the end of this week's episode of Full Metal Analysts. So I'd like to take this moment to thank Magellan and Alan for coming. Thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure having you here again and we will have you back once more because you're fantastic guests oh thank you thank you i'm flattered do you folks have anything to plug we're coming at you from chats a television podcast we release episodes every sunday we do the thing that these guys are doing but for other shows so if you like watching tv with people watch it with us you can find us at chatspot on any podcast platform and Alan, you want to do the other plugs, Patreon and the Twitch and all that stuff? You got it, bud. We are also supported by Patreon, just like for a little analyst. Ours is patreon.com slash chatspod. That's C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D. Uh, we have a ton, ton, ton of bonus episodes. We've been going at that for quite a while. And I uh, highly recommend checking that out if you want more of us talking about television. And if you want us playing video games while talking about sometimes television, uh, we have started streaming on Twitch over at twitch.tv slash chatspod. No real schedule right there because we are already overwhelmed with too many projects. But we've had a lot of fun over there. We're streaming. Uh, we streamed some GameCube games. We streamed some VR Star Wars stuff. We did some Duolingo where we learned Klingon. Yay. <laughs> it's Kapla. a good time. I recommend you check it out. Before you go, we'd like you two to do the thing we always ask our guests to do, which is to please do your best Full Metal Alchemist. All right, here we go. I've been pra- training for years. Full Metal Alchemist. There was one episode where he did it weird. So I'm going to do kind of a weird one. Full 
promised. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Flawless. I like that. Flawless. Excellent. I love it. And if you don't want to have a 15-minute flashback to how you got here, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FM Analysts. That's twitter.com slash FM, the word analysts. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If possible, leave us a review or recommend the show to a friend. We'd like to thank Sarah Lerner for managing our Tumblr. You can check that out at fullmetal-analyst.tumblr.com, but do watch out, there are spoilers there. We'd also like to thank Camilla Franklin for doing our podcast art. You can check out her work by following her on Instagram, at Camilla Strader. If you like this episode and would like to hear more, why not subscribe to our Patreon? For just $2, you'll receive extended versions of each episode a week early. That's right, you can listen to next week's episode right now by going to patreon.com slash fmanalysts. That'll be all for now. We'll see you next time on Full Metal Analyst. Until then, stay frost, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.